Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Green Room Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again today is Colin Mitchell. And Colin, we're joined by none other than Reed Smith from Mingreen 24-7 and NT Daily. Uh, Reed, how are you doing today? I'm decent. It's a little early for me, I'm not going to lie. but 1030? It, it's been a long summer. It's been a very long summer for God. me. So. 1030. 30 is pretty early. Yeah, Colin, when you were in college, don't act like you went to bed at a reasonable hour. You still don't go to bed at reasonable hours. I, but I also have an excuse because I work at 2 p.m. Okay, sure. Yeah, now. Now. What was your excuse in college? Uh, you didn't have one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, man, uh, Reed, for those who don't know, uh, took over for John Fields with our Ming Green 24-7 site. Really excited for him um, to kind of take that over and do a good job. He's already off to a great start here. So Reed, we're going to pick your brain uh, because we're not, you know, physically there anymore. So you are the eyes and ears here. So um, we got some questions for you. Keep about 10, 15 minutes to get you out of here. Um, first, I want to start with uh, the quarterback position because that's all we talk about on this podcast, really. Literally um, the whole, that's, that's the, what makes our money and that's it. That's all we do. The whole thing. The whole thing. Um, five scholarship quarterbacks. None of them, all of them, all of them have played at least two years of college football. Amazing. Um, Austin Ani is the the starter from what I understand at this moment. Yeah. Grant Gannell has moved up to like the second team. Um, what's the, the quarterback situation at this moment? Uh, you hit it right on the head. I mean, Ani has been running with the ones. He's been the only quarterback to run with the ones throughout fall camp. And at the number two spot, it's been more consistently Stone Earl throughout all of fall camp, which was is a little bit surprising and uh, because I guess it was a preconceived notion for a lot of people that I've talked to that that number two spot at the moment would obviously go to Grant Gannell, the transfer from Memphis. But he's been more of in that, that three spot for most of camp from what we've seen. They moved him up into the two yeah. uh, yesterday, but he's been running with the threes. But yeah, it's been Austin Ani's position to lose so far in fall camp, and Seth Luttrell has told us that much. So, little bit like he's. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, Does it look like he's gonna lose it? I don't think so. Oh. I mean, just early. It's still pretty early in fall camp, but yeah, it just seems like he's the guy for the team. Looks more composed than everyone else, and you know. So Jace Ruder. So Jace Ruder has not gotten first team reps. Is that what yeah, you're telling me? Not at all. You know, can we just, Damn. I wish, I wish we could just go back to like at least the 15 podcast where it's like Jace Reuter has to be the starter. Jace Reuter, Jace Reuter, Jace Reuter. And here he is not Jace even, not even up. being the second string or yeah, the, third, not the third string, the, third guy, the yeah. fourth string. Yeah. He's been dropping down. And then JD head has been all over the, the Louisiana tech transfer from yeah. anywhere from three to five. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're just kind of moving around everyone at the quarterback position right now in terms of who they're getting reps with. I want to talk to Mike Blesh. Haven't gotten the opportunity yet, but, you know. Yeah. Um, All right, guys, uh, I mean, coming back, guys have come back from injury. I mean, Oscar Attaway, Tommy Bush, Jair Shorter. Uh, What have you seen from those three guys uh, so far this spring? Are you encouraged, or what have you seen? Well, for Oscar Attaway – um, they've obviously been easing him back in from his torn ACL. Um, 
Uh, he he's a team leader is, is what I've seen. He hasn't really seen a lot of field t- field time in the eleven v elevens yet. That's more gone to a Kaika Ragsdale in the in the ones at least. But for Oscar, it's just been you know you can tell he's the leader of that running back room in terms of uh, of just talking to the guys and how they look up to him. You know he's a, and he's a big personality. He, he talks to all the camera people. He talks to me every when he's working out. You know, I love Oscar. Yeah, Oscar's a great guy. He's so, my favorite player, might be of all time now. Yeah. You know. And then, um, <laughs> uh, I I do have a question because I, I kind of brought this up to Bruni when it came to uh, Seth Luttrell. Um, what's the vibe around the team? Because it kind of seemed like it was more. Uh, I don't know the word Bruni that I that I put on it, but it almost seemed like there was a lot less ambiguity. So like. In the past, he would never go instantly. Austin Ani's the starter. Uh, yeah. He would always, you know, be like, it's up in the air. But he was a lot more firm in all of his answers. Yeah. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Reed. What do you think about uh, how Latrell's approached this, this uh, fall? He seems a little bit lighter this season. You know, he, he seems to be walking around with a little bit more pep in his step, smiling a little bit more. I like the, the phrase that... Uh, Coach Bennett used yesterday. He said that he feels like the team has more of a familiarity with each other this year. And I think that's pretty indicative of the team kind of melding together more than they were last season, which, you know, you, when you lose as many defensive guys as they did, you figure that you may lose some of that familiarity. But I mean, according to Bennett and from what we've seen, they've kind of been able to gel a little bit so far in spring, through spring and then, early in fall i'm not sure i'm not sure if phil bennett has completely earned my trust yet he's i i think he's a good coordinator obviously but for us on this podcast i mean losing the murphy twins was yeah. such a big deal um yeah they replaced them with tom treve and you know whether it's sifa leota or whoever else on the defensive line i mean they're going to be fine but from a defensive perspective when you start looking at like the depth chart and everything like that, is the defense line still the strongest unit on this defense or does that, that the linebackers now, or what do you think? I mean, you could argue for either defensive line or linebacker adding Katie Davis back to a linebacker group makes them that the best group on on the defense, in my opinion, because he's the best player on the defense. And you get Kevin Wood as a return. Sifa Leota has been playing a little bit of outside linebacker, been playing that more devil position that Gabriel Murphy played a lot of last season. Kind of that hybrid between linebacker and a edge rusher. So, I mean, it, to me, it's gotta be the linebacker group that kind of gets that edge of the best unit on the defense. But, you know, the linemen aren't close behind Tom tree has been a very pleasant surprise for the defense. I I'm just, I'm looking at this roster and I, I think, so Vegas has the win total at six, right? We're, we're not. I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction over under or anything like that yet. Um, yes. But this this is obviously a big a big year, right? For for yeah. the trail company. This is this is seventh year at this point. Yeah. Now, is it fair to say? And I, I'm. We'll talk about this more, Colin. I mean, I think as this offseason continues. Yeah. As fall ball ramps up, does it feel like a year where it's like you can't go under six wins? Like this, you can't hit the under here. It has to at least be a yeah. six-month season and probably a bowl win at that point. How, how, what's your read on that, Reed? 
what's my read on that? <laughs> what's your read on that read? I hey, that'd be a good podcast name. Sorry. Read on, read on, get a read on it. Something like that. Um, I agree. I mean, it to me it's a make or break year for Latrell. In my opinion, last season was a make or break situation for Latrell, but you know, when you win five straight games and make a bowl yeah. game, kind of hard to fire someone. Yeah. Um, but you know, this season even more so is that position, especially with uh, going to the American Athletic Conference next uh, next summer, you know, it you don't want to go into that conference with the um, with no momentum, yes. and you know, can Latrell provide that momentum this year? He, he remains to be seen, but you know, yeah, I to answer your question, yes, I think it's a make or break season for Latrell, and that if he doesn't live up to that over six win quota then i don't think he'll be yeah walking into the american (laughs) (laughs) and and not to uh i mean it's it's the coach isn't going to just like show fear or anything but does that do you think that's kind of led to his him being a little more light around everybody and 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 you know that do you think that that's might be a reason why he's kind of you know just kind of chilled out a little bit yeah i would definitely say so i mean Anybody that if you thought your your job was maybe in jeopardy, you might change the way you act a little bit. I mean, that's just human nature, and I think that's certainly true. All right, standouts. Read um, offense, defense. I, I got I got to know play, players that Colin and I have never seen before, but are going to be impact players. <laughs> who who you got? Through spring and fall, I've been really impressed with Jamori Macklin, the Mizzou transfer, uh, nephew of. Uh, um, Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Jay Macklin had he, he goes by Jack. I, I call him his full up name. I don't know, but he goes by Jay Macklin. <laughs> is, that, is that something you agreed to him with? You're like, I'm just gonna yeah. call you Demoy. Yeah, you know, I I told him that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's just listed differently everywhere. And the first one I saw was Demoy. So, but you know, he's definitely the come in and and made an argument for being the best receiver on the team. You know. Rod Burns had a stellar season for what it was last season, but uh, yeah, Jay, uh, Jay Macklin has been just very impressive uh, in terms of wide receiver transfers. Has definitely outshined Latrell Neville, um, but yeah, he's been one of those guys. And then I've also had a, my eyes on a what's it called, Sifa Leota. He's mm-hmm. been really good this spring, and kind of seems like he's going to be starting. So. He, he was on scholarship. Katie Tavis told me that he was put on scholarship before the fall started. So that's big for him. So he and was a walk on last year and then was, yeah. he was put on scholarship. Yep. See, I didn't even know who he was yeah. based off last year. So I thought he transferred in or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, uh, he, I think he classifies as a red shirt freshman, but he was a walk on last season. Okay. Um, Anybody and else? That, I mean, uh, I, I've liked a little bit of what I've seen from the South Oak Cliff. Um, yeah, I his name is escaping me right now, but um, oh, Quellan Farrar. Quellan Farrar. I've liked. Farrar, yeah. what he's brought. He has a pretty good energy, but other than that, I mean, it's just the regular um, figures, you know. All right, I'm gonna throw some names out there then, and right. whether you've seen them or not, I want you to tell me if they're good. Let's do it. Let's do an underrated or overrated. Underrated or overrated. Underrated or overrated. All right. Uh, Katie Davis. 
or properly rated. You can do properly rated. I was about to say, properly, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Properly, <laughs> I was going, well, properly rated. Okay. I mean, properly you know rated. Get with Katie. Colin thinks he's overrated, so that's good. Um, <laughs> Did I ever right. say that? Um, next, Manasseh Mose. Properly rated. Uh, this is too easy. You shouldn't have given him that out. We should have. No, I, I wasn't. I thought you were going to name players that we haven't heard about more so yet. Yeah, but okay, 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 okay. So like, Lorenzo Thompson. Mm, that's a good one. Was he ever rated to begin with? Yeah, yes, I mean, he was. He was, he was highly he was. rated out of high school. receiver or defense. I'm talking about last season. As a wide receiver or defensive back last season, I don't. He started. Think... A, he started some games. He played. He did. I remember he started against Rice. And then they took him out immediately because he was not paying attention. Well, uh, he, on a so overrated. Yeah, <laughs> so I'd overrated. Say overrated for Lorenzo. Yeah. The thing is, the thing is, Colin, we can't get him in trouble. Like we can just, we can just talk about players. That's however. a good point. Maybe and... he should name give us players, and we just <laughs> <laughs> we're the ones doing <laughs> yeah. um, Well, I guess okay. We won't do we don't we won't do overrated underrated. Maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> We'll, we'll phrase it better. He's just simply not living up to expectations. Okay. Well, there you go. Maybe moving back to receiver. Yeah. Well, I, I never understood that whole dynamic, but the, anyways. Well, that's when the COVID season happened. They had to move. No, I know. Corner. But like, you think that they'd kind of phase that out and recruit anyways. All right. A player. Here's a player. I'm not, not overrated, underrated. Well, actually two players I'm curious about. Three players I'm quite curious about. All right, all right. They're all receivers. Hatib Lyles. Can we talk about him? Yeah, we can talk about Hatib okay. Lyles. Hatib has been... I mean, okay. It certainly could be a slot guy for. You know, I don't think he's going to get consistent reps this season, but he's definitely uh, could be a solid two deep guy. Okay, okay. Because I have questions about all these receivers actually. As I'm looking yeah. at him, Damon Ward. Mm. I haven't seen a lot of Damon Ward okay. in spring. Just hasn't. I'm not to say he hasn't made a big impact. Just to say, I mean, he's. I mean, you, I mean, to be fair, what they've had like a week of practice at this point. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, okay. things are still getting shuffled. Still, that's that's why you're here. We're going to yeah. ask you all the questions that are how, completely unfair. How's Jair shoulder looked? Has he played like in spring ball? I don't even know the extent of his injuries. Well, he has not played in spring or in fall ball. That's what I can say. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ziglo McMillan. Zyhill McMillan. Zyglo McMillan. Um, okay, it's a good name. He hasn't seen a lot of. Okay. I mean, he's played. He, I've seen him run some routes. His routes look okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Anybody else calling that comes to Tommy mind? Bush? Tommy Bush has been starting a little a little bit slow. Uh, they have him doing the – that. I, I don't know exactly what it's called, but that elastic drill where you mm. have like – yeah, where he's pulling. Colin just, does those too, yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely do those all the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time, same. Uh, they're, uh, they're getting him back in slowly kind of. Edging him back in before absolutely taking an ACL tear last year. Okay. All right. Any other players that come to mind, Colin? I'm trying to look at the depth chart and scrolling through. I sent you literally a link of the depth chart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm going through this. Okay. Right anyway, I, I got it, Colin. Don't worry about it. Um. Wow. Nicholas Nakawasa? How do you say his name? I think it's like Nakwash. Nakawash. That makes sense. Has, it has two A's in it. So. Has he? Has he? Because he, I got a, uh, I got a depth chart. Said he said he was starting in the spring. Is he still starting at safety? No. Who are the, the starting safeties? The starting safeties have been Sean Thomas Faulkner okay. and um, Keelan Crosby. Yep, Keelan Crosby. Okay. Checking the notes real this quick. Is good. I can change my depth chart now. Yep. 
That's good. I can change my depth chart now. How's our How's our boy uh, Deshaun Gaddy looked? Deshaun Gaddy has been playing a corner all all fall. Um, kind of split time at safety and corner last season, so yeah. he's more consistently going corner this season. He looks solid. Just okay, you know, kind of the leader in that secondary. So, I'm trying to think of the oldest player not named Austin Ani on this roster and Quinn Whitlock. Quinn Whitlock no. is all right. Oh. But who's the oldest player on this roster other than Austin, Austin Ani? And it might be Ethan Mooney. I was it's, just looking at that, too. Ethan Mooney went to the same high school as me, and he graduated four years before me. <laughs> what? I was and a, I'm right. telling you, Ethan that Mooney takes might the be cake. the second oldest player that on the team. takes the cake. So he's at least 24. 24. Wow. I mean, maybe Manasseh Mose. Oh, year. Manasseh might be old too. But he's a fifth year. I think I think Manasseh is a fifth year. Yeah. Damn. This is crazy. Well, all right. Anything else, Colin, before we let him go? I think I think we wanted to ask about the the, the that one tweet, right? Or did you want to talk oh, about that? Oh, we were just gonna talk about that. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. All right, man. That's all we got for you, man. I, I appreciate you joining us. We'll we'll definitely do this again uh relatively soon because yeah. we got to just continue to grill you about every single player on the roster hopefully i have um, more answers next time i mean a lot of up in the air stuff right now no it's yeah. okay it's okay We're, we are the ones that make brash uh accusations i guess or yeah. takes and you can yeah. you're the knowledgeable one here so all right man we'll uh, let you go thanks for joining us all right appreciate you having on see you Underrated or overrated? So funny. I didn't even think about him having to actually interact. Yeah, you didn't even think about like him having to talk to Lorenzo Thompson. See, he's going to go to Lorenzo Thompson to go underrated or overrated. See, that's the thing. That's the thing about when I was covering the team, or when we were covering the team, is like we just didn't really care. But I would never throw someone else. I would never put that on somebody else to be like, "Yo, does this guy suck or not?" (laughs) Yo, does this guy like? What's the deal here? What's happening? Uh, all right, so, all right. so you want to talk about the tweet? What was real that? Quick? You want to talk about this tweet real quick? Yeah. All right. So we are looking at um something I saw on Twitter from 2014 to 2021. Um, the win percentage over expected um difference differential between home and away for every team in the FBS, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw this, and North Texas is, I believe, seventh. Um, they have the seventh highest difference between home and away results, right? Yep. And so I started thinking about this, and I was like, this lines up. This checks out. This checks out. They've won 10 – so they've won 11%. They performed 11% better at home than expected, and they've performed uh, 14.4% worse on the road as expect- than expected. So with that being the case, Colin. Yep. Um, do you feel like that does that feel right when you look at it? Yes, and I'm trying to find the article I found because actually I found this I found the same thing when I first because when I first came to North Texas, I was like, all right, they're gonna be really good at football soon. And it was like you see all the articles, and it was like someone had tweeted bleach report ranking. This is in 2015. I'm trying to find the article, but I can't. Apogee Stadium was number one. They had the best home field advantage. And last night, or yeah, when you sent me this tweet, I was thinking, I was like, why is it still like that? Because obviously the results over the last, you know, however many years haven't really proven in our minds right away. Like, oh yeah, they win 
a lot of games. But then I was thinking, what are their away games mostly? either teams that are way better than them. Uh, this is outside yes. of conference. So you automatically start with like a lower win percentage there. And then in conference, they come alive during their streak of home games when they're comfort, com- yes. or comfortable. So, I mean, I think it checks out, but I don't necessarily know if it's an advantage if you're just going to go A, B, A, B, you know, home and away, home and away, home and away. Like how much of an advantage does Daffigy actually give at that point? Well, I, I think this is outside of apogee um like just in general i think this is a seth latrell thing i think if you look at that 2017 season they went six and zero at home right that was the year where it was like everything went right like six and zero at home 2018 they go five and one at home right and um you know that's the year they beat smu at home that probably raised the hell out of that rating and like um you i don't know you go through it and seth latrell and this is this is to a bigger conversation that i've a bigger thought that I had for Latrell in general is he is a guy that when things are going well, he can excel. Right. Yeah. When he has been faced with challenges and when he's been faced with difficult circumstances, for example, playing a tough road game, you know, fill in the blank here or there, uh, maybe UAB a few years ago when they had to beat them uh, or maybe when they had to beat rice three years ago or two years ago to make a bowl game. Like, it's just it. It has never been uh, something to where the team has come together for these road games that are big games. It feel that's what it just feels like to me, and that's why when I saw this, I was like, "Yeah, this checks out. This checks out." They they are when they're comfortable, this team plays well. When they're not comfortable in general, I just don't think they play nearly the same level. So to see them as the seventh biggest disparity of any FBS team between home and road. I mean, I thought it made sense to me. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm looking too far into the thing. I actually found the article just now. Um, it's actually Wall Street Journal. Published in 2015, North Texas had the best home field advantage. But, you know, obviously up to that point, they hadn't really played that well away. So I was wondering if it's more embedded in a North Texas type of thing and Seth inherited it and hasn't been able to get out of it. Because it's been, it's been, a, it's been a problem, I feel like, the whole time. I mean, it. I don't know if I, I can't blame it on like a North Texas lure. I think if Seth Luttrell was maybe a different type of coach, yeah, then maybe it would have changed to a degree. But the reason why I also think it's interesting is because if, if you look at the 2022 schedule, they start their season at UTEP. Yeah, and I was talking to someone close to the team the other day, and you know sources, and. I, we were just talking about how big that UTEP game is, like how big that first game of the season is, because if you lose that game, That's interesting, yeah, you're then playing SMU week one um, at home, nonetheless, but I think they will be heavy, significant underdogs in that game regardless. Um, so you could potentially start off 0-2 in a season where you have to win six games. And with that being the case, and one of those is already a conference loss, right? UTEP yeah. is already a conference loss. And uh, you have Memphis still on the schedule as well. So, I just look at UTEP as being a complete tone setter. You cannot lose that game. Like, you can't, in my opinion, if you want to win six games. And that's so that, that's that's where I tie in the tweet that says they have performed significantly worse over the past seven seasons or six seasons, whatever it is, on the road than at home because you're playing UTEP on the road. 
Yeah, so I was looking. Uh, you brought that up, starting a basically a season with an away game, and it's interesting because that's kind of how they start most seasons. It looks like. Um, obviously, the SMU game switches every other year, but then you go into the other non-conference, and it's away. Like uh, if we're going back as far as the Arkansas game uh, and Liberty, those are wins. But then you go to the next year, it's SMU and Cal, and it's two losses. Yeah, and then it's um, SMU at home which you lose to, which I guess can kind of can be considered a home game if that's what you want to call it because uh, it's the rivalry. And then you go loss-loss. And then if we talk about last year, same thing. You're at SMU, loss, UAB loss, La Tech loss. And it, it's like it snowballs. So that's interesting that you bring that up because, yeah, I mean, the UTEP game, it could have similar uh, you know, uh, circumstances to it where if you lose this game, it kind of sets the tone for your season almost. Yeah, so that's that's going to be the interesting thing to me is how that kind of works out. Now, I, I kind of brought I brought it up to read, but I, I'm still interested that the Vegas line's at six because I feel like that's correct, but at the same time, you can't have a five win season like this is Latrell legitimately having to win six games well well, let me ask you this so last year they had the they rattled off the five wins in a row for the bowl game right what if those five wins weren't rattled off in a row say it went you win at northwestern state loss loss win you know like does he still stand i I think that answer is no only because like reed said it's a lot it's really hard to get rid of a coach after he just did what he did the end of season you that that point you have players that have have obviously galvanized around him for five games six games at that point because you're playing counting the bull game so it's yeah. it's not you can just you know flip the switch and get rid of it there was no animosity at that point but if you tell me that they go you know win loss loss win loss loss win so on and so forth i mean i think that i think we're having a different conversation this season if, if that's if that was the case because last year like reed said i would also agree that was the make or break year for me and we and asked you, him that on this podcast, how if it was a big year, a pivotal yeah. year. And he said yes, and I yeah, he said yes, agree. yeah, exactly. And he said the same thing about this year. Um, so I think it's just it's 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 interesting the way it happened because it's almost an outlier the way it happened, right? Because I mean, I think everybody up until he started winning, until he got to the third game, I think everyone was like, "All right, he's gone." You know Question: what I mean? Is this fair? Is it fair to say he has to win seven games this year? to keep his job, including a bowl game. So if he goes six and six and wins a bowl, or if he goes seven and five and loses a bowl, whatever. Seven wins this year, no matter what, has to be the floor. Seven wins no matter what has to be the floor. So six and six and a bowl yeah. win or, you know, go from there. I'm just trying to see where these wins come from. Because I think from. it is. I think. I, I mean, I agree. I if agree. Six and, if they go six and seven, I can't see that being enough. Well, the issue has always been – they can't win a bowl game. They've been, they've had so yeah. many chances and they, and they can't win it. And they don't need, they don't not only lose them, they lose them by a lot. Yes. Um, Man, that's tough. I mean, I agree, but it's just, I'm trying to look to see where the possibility for, you know, if they could get it, six wins even, I mean, cause UTEP's going to be tough. SMU, unfortunately, unless, you know, history changes, that's not going to change. You get one at Texas Southern. You probably get one at Nevada, Las Vegas. Yeah. I don't think you get one at Memphis. No. Um, Fort Atlantic's probably a wash. LaTeX not not as good as they were. LaTeX not as good as they were, but it's you know it's always been a a, a rivalry. Let's, of let's give them LaTeX. We'll give them LaTeX. What about Fort Atlantic? Give them FIU, and give them F- Rice. That's give five. Rice. Yeah, UTSA. They're going to be coming back with revenge after last yeah. year. UAB. Yeah. They're UAB. 
again, so you're gonna have to beat one of like um you're gonna have to beat UTEP. And that's yeah. that's what it comes down yeah. to. If yeah. you don't beat UTEP, I, I don't know if there's a way to get to seven wins, like in general, or even a right. six and six season. Exactly. And and not only that, uh it's it's trying to replicate what you were able to do at the end of last year, this year. And again, we haven't seen that up to this point. And I think it's going to be interesting because like you said, you brought up that good point. You start the season with UTEP away. That's going to set the tone. And especially when UTEP's trying to sell out the, the whole game, like they know, they know, how, they know how big the game is. Dude, UTEP was like seven and five last year. No, I know, but they're Dude, trying to build on, they're trying to build I know, on that's momentum. What I'm saying. What I mean. they, yeah. they have momentum in that program. Yeah. Like this yeah. is not, under the old UTEP where you just walk out there and win. And even two years ago when they had Jalen Darden, Jalen Darden was the only reason they beat UTEP. Like, yep. I don't know. It just, it's going to be real interesting that week one game, August 27th. So we're only 24 days away from now, Colin. And then it's so weird. Whew, week zero, week zero, week um, zero. Yeah. Uh, that's all we got. I think, right, Colin, anything else? Anything um... other than the fact that I noticed that's a 9 PM game. Gosh, dang. That's crazy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I don't even know what time zone UTEP's in. They're in the mountain time zone, right? The UTEP, uh, El Paso time zone. I'm pretty. Now sure I have to know. They're in the mountain. Mountain <laughs> time zone. Gosh. Yeah. So there we go. Um, is it concerning? Our last thing before we go. Okay. Is it concerning that Reed was very bullish on Attaway Bush and Shorter's health? Bullish, like he's he likes it. Right? No, bullish is like. <laughs> is that not right? I'm <laughs> resembling a bull. <laughs> yeah, characters characterized by uh, confident, confident, optimistic. Okay. That's yeah. the wrong word. It's bearish. Like, bearish is that it? Bearish is the word. Okay. Um, it's like bear stocks. Pessimistic. Stocks. How about that? How about I just put it in simple terms? He was pessimistic about the health of those three. <sighs> yes, because in the past. We're always excited for a player coming back from injury, and I, they're never the same. Yeah. You know, and I love Oscar. So if anyone's going to do this, it's Oscar. But the thing, it is an issue if you don't have those guys. It's it's a bigger uh, – Oscar is not even the most important. Shorter and Bush have to be healthy for this team. To oh, yeah. Reach oh, yeah. Like, they have to be good for this team to reach their ceiling. Because if not, as much as I think Jay Macklin can be good, and I think Rod Burns can be good, Detravian Brown maybe could be good. Like, no, you need you need those two guys to be to be borderline elite. I think for this offense because as much as people want to praise them for having the number one run, running offense, rushing offense in the conference last year and one, like top five in the country last year, yeah. that's not what Seth Latrell, who Seth Latrell is. I'm, yeah, I'm I let him fly, baby. Yeah, he's never been he's never been against running the ball, but that was out of necessity last year. Right. Right. And so when you don't have receivers and you don't have a quarterback, you have to run the ball out of necessity. Yep. And it didn't make for very aesthetically pleasing games. He wants to air it out a little bit more. So I think you need Bush and you need Shorter to be healthy um, to reach that. So I didn't know that they still weren't 100%. So yeah, I didn't either. That's a little um, concerning to me. I'm a little bearish on that. There you go. Not bullish. Not bullish. Not bullish. I don't have. I, I don't have a. Uh, I'm not aggressively confident and self-assertive, assertively masculine. Or comparing it to, or resembling a bull. Or resembling a bull. Yes. Yeah. None of those things I am about the things. receiver group. So, all right, Colin. Thirty-three minutes. Plenty long. 
Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, subscribe to the, to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star rating review wherever you listen to the podcast. Spotify, Apple, um, I think uh, SoundCloud still. Um, wherever you listen Everywhere. to it, we appreciate it. Facebook. Check out our Facebook Big. right above we my need head. more likes. We're at like 10, I think. Hey, let's get to 11. Let's get to 11. When we get to 11. I'll, One day at we'll a time. A, we'll, we'll do a giveaway. <laughs> I feel like we got to do we gotta do better than that because we were we always push the, the 50 five-star ratings on the old. So we got to yeah. go. We got to go. Listen, we're established now. New branding. We got to okay. go from 10 to like 30. What are we doing if, we, if they hit 30? Not sure. But we have All to. Right, not sure. As, you heard it as, here. But as I see it ramping up, but as I see it ramping up, I'll think of something. All right, there you go. We got Colin thinking now. This is good. Um, all right, guys, thank you all for joining us. Shout out to Reed for uh, coming on and talking as well. Uh, you can check out his stuff at Mingering twenty four seven and the NT Daily. So, uh, thank you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you all later.